So this morning's Dharma talk is coming from Traverse City, or no, actually, uh, um, Acme. Acme, Michigan, uh, just south of, or west, east of Traverse City at Kozan's uh, and Kozan's uh, Zendo. Uh, so, um, and the title of this morning's uh, talk is Band Bandits, Bandits of Wisdom. So sounds pretty difficult. The idea of bandits of wisdom is that everyone has wisdom. Uh, you're, you're naturally, if you're a human being, you're born completely wise. What captures your wisdom is uh, are the bandits uh, of hope and fear. Hope for something better and fear of something worse. So if you're tied into that kind of, that kind of emotion, fear of something, uh, or hope, hope also there is to be aware that when you uh, abandon the present moment, which is your wisdom, and you go uh, towards not that you shouldn't have something better, but to put energy into that is a is a misunderstanding that can get you maybe not initially a little bit of hope. Like uh, I'm not saying that we're doing away with it completely. What happens is we tend to be too hopeful. We put too much uh, energy into hoping for something else, wishing for something. So the whole idea of hope there is, you know, like you might say, I hope it doesn't snow, so we can. Uh, go somewhere or go on vacation or I hope this doesn't happen. So a little bit of that is okay, but what happens is we tend to put too much stock in that. In the same way, we become become very fearful of things that have not even showed up yet. We're afraid of things, we're afraid of the unknown, we're afraid of tomorrow. Some people uh, operate their whole life as operating on hope and fear. And it's not that we shouldn't be uh, have a little bit of that happening, but we tend to but overdose on it. Too much. We actually fill up our life with wanting something else, daydreaming about something. Uh, and this uh, is means that that mind, which sees very clearly what is happening this present moment, what is happening right now. And if you're thinking about wishing for something else or afraid of something else, then your very insight into your fundamental natural insight, which is wisdom, uh, is uh, compromised, is clouded over. And whole uh, organ, whole uh, uh, communities of people, whole societies, whole cultures, uh, sometimes tend to function under that kind of hindrance. And of course, how do you work with that? You, from this point of view, you uh, train your mind to see clearly. You train your mind to see the hope, uh, see the fear come up, and cloud this present moment. And and uh, the way in which you do that, the way in which it is taught here, is spend some time sitting down and looking at this present moment and watching what comes into it and what leaves it, what comes in, fills it up. So not easy to do. Takes a lot of time, takes a lot of intention. And uh, for some of us, it takes, uh, uh, and how do you do that? Start by helping this person, uh, train this person to see clearly so that you are not confused by your hope for something better, wishing for something, wanting something else, uh, or your fear of, uh, uh, you could say, not getting what you wanted or desired. Any questions so far? Could you expand, please, on, you said the, your wisdom is this present moment? Yes. Is that being, having your awareness centered on the present moment? So, okay, good question. So it's not about if you're trying to center something or if you're trying to be aware of the present moment, this is uh, just further confusion. You can't be something you are. 
and you can't try to be something that's already the case. If you do that, you've actually covered up who you are. Who you are is totally on receive all the time. Any kind of production that's going on needs to come out of anything you do or anything you think or anything you work on in order to be aligned with your wisdom needs to come out of your complete presence in this present moment rather than worrying about the past or regretting the past or worrying about the future or fearful of the future or trying to fill up a future that looks pretty scary with a bunch of hope that it won't be scary. Always working with the mind to try to get uh, is get stronger. There's more of a possibility of doing that. More Is being fully unreceived wisdom? That's the path. So the ground is difficulty or confusion or suffering, just difficult. Life is difficult. We have that kind of, uh, but what happens as soon as that happens, we, as soon as anything happens, we tend to produce things to cover that up or to make excuses for it or to blame others for how we're feeling. So to be on receive is the path. The ground is this difficulty, ground path fruition. Something happens. We need to do something about it. So we figure out ways to do it. And then uh, fruition or uh, then we solve the problem simply. So the path is uh, uh, at some point uh, when there's fruition and there, there's no receiver, there's nothing to receive. There's just this and you're no longer separate from anything. So therefore, you may feel like uh, things are not going so well is the, is the leading edge of wisdom. That's the area that most people want to run away from and cover up or make excuses for or blame, blame this, blame that. Oh, I'm such a terrible person and or do anything right. Or uh, I would be perfectly happy if those people had stopped doing that or stopped acting that way. So we keep arguing with things. So don't do anything. And the path to that is to receive. Sit down, hold still, meditate, receive what's happening in the mind. And then eventually uh, fruition or the, uh, the, what that leads to is uh, uh, don't. You actually find out that you're actually everything. There isn't anything you're not. You're the most terrible situation. You're the most wonderful situation. You're no longer at war with anything. No warfare. It's a good thing. Um, Shoto from... I know him. Isn't he down at that monastery in Battle Creek? Yeah. I know him. He has a question. Really big guy. Eats a lot of noodles. <laughs> and so, actually, what? He asks, um, does wisdom get covered by the daydream? There isn't anything that isn't wisdom, but you have to see it. You can't just believe it or you can't just have an opinion. Opinions are useless. They're like lids on jars. You never look in the jar. You just look at the lid. You don't have to do that. You can actually take all the lids off. You could just, the, the, the jars would vanish if they didn't have lids. Jars only exist because of the lid. Sorry to be so big. That almost sounds like you're saying wisdom is ignorance. It is. It is ignorance. Ignorance and wisdom are not two different things, but you can't you can't just <coughs> deliberately go that direction because then it becomes becomes propaganda. And you you know read uh, read nineteen eighty four by George Orwell. Shokabai. What does it mean to not go there deliberately? Don't do anything. If you're on this path, and meditate, sit down, hold still, look at, train your mind to see clearly. It's, it's very simply put. You're just training your mind. You're holding your body still since it's one of the few things you can control. Have you noticed how you can't really control your thoughts? Oh, buddy, that's a big discovery, especially for young people when you realize it. You really can't stop thinking about certain things. You guys notice that? Someone? Well, if all you want, but just be very aware that you that that's a production. You're producing some kind of hope, and that hope might cover up the very lever where you could shut the 
difficulty off. It's just a way of talking about it. Even that doesn't work so well. Further questions? How do, you, how do we distinguish then what's real? Look at what's not real. Your thoughts are unreal. They're productions, and they, they're produced out of causes and conditions. Pratityasambhapada, the dependent origination. Uh, every, nothing has its own individual, has an individual character. The coffee cup is not the wall. They're two different things. You can't pour coffee into a wall and have it not run all over the floor. Did you know that? And how do you know that? Discriminating, you're discriminating between things. The problem is the discrimination that is a sign of intelligence of knowing this from that, knowing red from blue, knowing a tree from a lampshade, knowing the difference between things, that, that gets us into trouble because then we have, we have the feeling that we're a separate being from everything. And we're not. Thank God. <sighs> Thanks, somebody. <laughs> not sure who we're thanking. More? Um, you talk about discriminating. Mm -hmm. um, what are, what is, how does that compare to what we're doing on the cushion? So we're, when you're meditating, you're sitting there and you're depending on how long you've been doing it. You would start out by just watching thoughts come and go. Really interesting thoughts would come and then think thoughts that are confusing or wondering why we're a host or hostess. You just, just receive. So this way you can see real clearly. You can train yourself to be kind of open-minded or open-handed or have an open attitude towards things so when things do get difficult there's as much openness there as possible so you don't start a war over misunderstandings so you actually see that everyone is trying to be happy they just have weird ways of doing it even the most difficult person mean person basically wants to be happy but they're so afraid that the only way they can get the happiness is to fight with people or fight with other things or disagree or or promote themselves and at the at the cost of uh, others' happiness. More. Mm -hmm. Seems like thoughts are always popping into mind. Mm -hmm. So can those thoughts ever be supportive of seeing the basic situation? Sure. Yeah, we're just like uh, we don't do away with thinking. We just uh, just like the idea and thinking. Uh, the, the concepts and ideas are used in, in Buddhism. It's all over the place. One of the basic teachings of uh, Buddhism is that the way we avoid our reality, our world, is go into passion, aggression, and ignorance, grasping, rejecting. So passion or grasping and rejecting or aggression or ignorance or closing it off or distracting ourselves into something else is one of the three ways that we avoid our life, try to be somebody else. Artificially happy. Yes. Uh, Vishal from San Jose asks, how do you watch a thought? You're, what you're commenting on from this person looks like somebody who's on the side of a mountain going up the mountain. You are going up the mountain. That's why you need a teacher. So the teaching person can keep you, help you to not go in circles. Because uh, the, uh, in, uh, a kind of te teaching that's trying to control you will will get you to do other things and you'll tend to go in the rest area on the side of the mountain where it's more comfortable to meditate that way and i'm telling you go what you're doing is exactly correct just continue to do that just continue not discontinue just continue to do that uh and don't particularly evaluate what's happening don't evaluate don't look don't look for results hope don't don't uh um, go into uh the opposite direction is uh, i'm not getting anywhere fear I'll do it. 
just one step after another. Just live your life. Just whatever shows up, that's what you need to see. If you're objecting to it or agreeing with it, if you're doing anything, including just be with all things, uh, that's a misunderstanding. Don't do that either. You could say receive. If ignorance is wisdom, that would insinuate that passion and aggression is also wisdom. Yes. There isn't anything that isn't wisdom. But you have to see it. You can't just use the politics of, well, you know, passion is wisdom, so I can be very passionate, and that means I'm being wise. That's a misunderstanding. Well, the main problem is mistaken identity. We think we're a solid being, and actually we're just a bundle of emotions and thoughts and memories. And So there isn't any solid being anywhere. Because there's a solid human being, because even little people are solid. You know, we're here, we're present, we're listening to things, we're living our life, we're learning, we're going to school, and we're still in school, of course. Uh, but the, the coming to a conclusion about somebody is uh, painful to think that you're a bad person because you can't do this, or you're a really good person, really better than everybody. Either one of those directions is, creates problems not only for yourself, but for others. Go ahead. So the delusion of the self, delusion of self, is the problem that passion, aggression, and ignorance is not wisdom at that point because you still believe in a self or you still think there's somebody here. Yeah. If you see through that, then passion, aggression, and ignorance is wisdom at that point? Yes, everything is wisdom. There isn't anything else in wisdom. But if you don't see it, then you'll continue to pick and choose and think that some things are wise and some things are not so wise. And we're not validating. We're not saying this means that somebody who is, uh, who is being really mean to somebody, you know, or terrorizing somebody, we're not, we're not saying that's wise. We're saying that it's not separate from it. It's basically not separate, but the person that's doing that doesn't know that. So therefore, they validate themselves and they think they're justified because they did this and they're justifying being mean to someone. Yes. I was thinking along the lines of what he was saying is that when you reach that point and you're totally aware of not this and this, right? Would that be emptiness? Would it be a stage of emptiness? Or emptiness is on the path. It's not a, it's not, I mean, there are some teachings that say emptiness is a goal, but I don't, I, emptiness is part of it. You begin to see that, that your thoughts, your ideas, your opinions, your everything is empty of what you thought they were. Just like you are empty of your idea of being a solid being. So it's very simple. It's part of the path, though. Any, 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 any uh, um, description of it is still part of the path. So you can't describe what this is. If you try to describe it, you're, then you're back down the mountain, talking about the trees and the potholes and the gophers, raccoons. Raccoons are on the path. You knew that? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. I know because of the masks. Those are the bandits. <laughs> yes. When you say bandits, what are the bandits? I'm stealing that away because you're 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 spending time going around in circles hoping for something. I hope this gets better. I hope it doesn't get worse. I hope it, or, or, or fear. I'm afraid of that. And so it's not that you shouldn't. If something like that doesn't. Uh, comes up that you should fight with it or try to do away with it. You just be aware. Just be aware of the fear that comes up. Um, doesn't hope and fear get you to the cushion? Get you to yes. So there's some wisdom there. Well, they are wisdom. No, there's nothing that's separate. But but it, as long as there's a relative situation happening, then they then we separate them. We pick and choose instead of seeing it's just energy. 
it's, but it has an, uh, an, an identity behind it that wants this and doesn't want that. And it's actually just uh, just energy. Is awareness and wisdom the same thing, or does wisdom occur in the space of awareness? You're going to give me multiple choice here? No, sorry. question. <laughs> is wisdom the same as awareness? Yes. But the awareness that we're talking about here is a practice. You're actually not doing so well. Life is difficult. Certain things are challenging. So you decide uh, to sit down and train your mind. Sit down. And you do it, if you're in this tradition, then you would sit down, hold still, sit in a symmetrical posture, watch what moves. There, there's nothing to accomplish there. It's just a matter of observing. You observe what, you observe the confusion until you, until there isn't any. And even, uh, even if there is some, you see it's not separate from anything else. Thing, nothing is separate from anything else. This is called the, this is the Dharmakaya, the Sambhogakaya, the Nirmanakaya. The, the physical form, the, the, the quality that uh, the part of consciousness that, that is like uh, uh, what's happening in your um, um, uh, mind stream, your sensorium, all of that is uh, is not exactly physical, but it's not exactly something else either. You actually see that, and you, everything starts to see be seen as not being separate from anything else. And it's, that's scary to ego. Ego mind doesn't doesn't want to be. Uh, 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 aligned with all that negativity. It wants to get rid of the negativity. So that's a misunderstanding. A lot of spiritual traditions try to get, get rid of the negativity by calling it evil. And so that just perpetuates more warfare, good and evil. Yes. But it is uh, recognized in some Buddhist traditions that uh, they use mantras for cleansing and purification. Isn't that recognition of negativity and evil? No. No. Please explain. What don't you understand about it? Well, why would they develop the mantras? For that? Because we don't know that it's pure. So we have to do a bunch of mantras before we actually realize it's always been pure from the beginning. And if you, if you don't realize that, you can't think your way to enlightenment. You can't think your way to purity. You can't think your way to anything. Thinking just goes in circles. It's called a bandit. But, but you might have to do, and I've done lots of mantras. But they don't probably don't know who they are. You're welcome. You don't have a question about that? Go ahead. Go ahead. A couple of questions from Monastery. Uh, Michael, that lives in Battle Creek, mm-hmm. asks, are all questions irrelevant? No. And then another question from Junshu. She says, and I forgot to call my mom for her birthday yesterday, and I've been wallowing in the feeling of being a terrible person. What is the wisdom in that situation? You're a terrible person. You shouldn't know. Oh, thank you. That's terrible. You should be disgusted with yourself. It's just uh, your mom will be fine. I know your mom. You just call her and say. You're a day late, not a problem. Yes. Bosker, uh, perhaps from Texas. He's in Texas. Mm-hmm. You are answering questions, and that suggests a differentiation between self and other. When you are doing that, what is your wisdom mind doing? Mm-hmm. Helping you. As long as there's a you, and then and there's still a Bosker, but he wouldn't be calling him. There, there's nothing, there isn't anything separate. If you realize it, then there isn't anything left to do. 
but you respond to others. If people want your help, you'll respond. If they don't want your help, then you'll mind your own business. The wisdom mind isn't doing anything. It just looks like it. Uh, Michael asked uh, the question, are, are all questions irrelevant? And you said no. Uh, are there questions that are relevant? Yes. What question? What is this? What is this? Not why. Now, why is this? Why is a um, lifetime after lifetime after lifetime? But what is this? You stop right here. What is this? Find out. That's what you do when you sit down and meditate. You're actually asking that question. Maybe not the first few years, but eventually you will say, what am I doing this for? Which is, of course, a why question. And then if you're lucky, you have to be really lucky. You can't just be kind of lucky. Really lucky. You have somebody helping you. Saying, keep looking at the wall. What is this? What is this? What is this? Not separate. I can tell you. And if you realize it's not separate, then there isn't anything but wisdom. There isn't any, anything that arises as wisdom. If you see that, warfare is over. You will not fight with anything or go to war with anything. It doesn't mean that there's still people suffering and they're still fighting with themselves and their lives and trying to improve or get them and having their wisdom stolen by hope and fear. Michelle asks, what is the difference between watching the breath and following the breath? So I don't particularly emphasize either one. I've taught that way before in the past, I practiced that way, but I just say watch what moves. That may be the breath, it may be the diaphragm, maybe the thought patterns, maybe the traffic in the street, it may be any number of things. But to focus on the breath and fix on the breath, uh, I don't teach that, although it has been taught and quite a lot of teachers to actually teach, follow the breath. Uh, my teacher, Chogyam Trumper, taught um, follow the out-breath. And when thoughts arise, label thinking and return to the out-breath. I don't teach that, even though I practice it for a long time, because I think it's more important to watch what moves. That way, uh, that way you are automatically customize your own mindfulness awareness practice, your own uh, shini and laktang, your own what just what moves is what you could you just watch that come and go, come and go. Thoughts come and go, emotions, feelings, memories of what happened yesterday. Doesn't matter. Good question, though. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Well, I have a question on yes. Yoshida's question. Yes. Regarding mantras or any practice, mm -hmm. it sounds. You uh, refer to your practice and say that you did lots of them. I did. And so here you are. That you so you don't have to do them now because I did. Well, that's the question. It seems like was it part of your path believing that that was going to help until it, you realized through that that? No, it's going too far. No, nothing is separate. <laughs> Sorry, okay. but, there, but nothing is separate. So uh, my, my uh, belief or it was more about trust in my teacher. That's that's what made that. That's how that. I, I never believed any of that stuff. I just did it anyway. Follow up question to that. Mm -hmm. You talk about uh, often say, "Well, that's path practice aspect. That's mm -hmm. path." Do you? Is it important to uh, believe in your path in order to be devoted? That question. Do you have to? Is it important to on the path? Believe in your teacher. Believe in the benefit of what you're doing. To It'd be different with each person. So I, I didn't particularly. Believe, I didn't know what to think about it. All I knew is that I had a strong connection with him. So it was kind of, it was kind of a belief, but it was like I didn't know what else to do. I was so miserable, and that was a, that was in 1973. So 
a long time ago. So I, I, I didn't know what else to do. So I thought I have some kind of connection with this Tibetan guy. So I just did what he said. And I did what he said for many years. Didn't really question it. Yes. Sometimes you trouble on, sometimes you talk about things as the path and then there's uh, awakening. Uh, with devotion, is there a, what does devotion look like when someone's awakened? It's gone. There's nothing separate anymore. There's nothing to be devoted to. Devotion is the path. Uh, uh, takes different forms, but stay with it. Stay with it. So you, you or someone may it may operate as belief. It may operate as as what else am I going to do? Uh, may operate all kinds of different ways. But the important thing is what to do it to actually practice, actually train your mind to see what this is. When I say that devo the devotion is is not there, it's there, there isn't any path anymore. There, there's no there's no goal. The whole idea of a path and a goal is an illusion in the first place. You just stop covering up your wisdom. Could you please define? When you say wisdom, what's your definition of wisdom? Not separate. Wisdom is not separate. From anything. There's anything. Wisdom is this. This is wisdom. It's that fan. It's that screen. It's this person. It's this person. And that's all you see. You see it everywhere. There's no individuals anymore. It's not that there isn't an individuation that, uh, that shows up in body forms, of course. Comes and goes and comes and goes. Show up as little people, and we grow up, and then we get really opinionated and self-centered, and think we know stuff, and we forget our innocence. And when the uh, you could say that uh, someone who is clear about this has uh, is not no longer old or young, that they're that they're not even innocent, although that might be the closest thing because they um, <laughs> don't jump to conclusions. There's anything he doesn't know. Couple more questions from the monastery. Mm -hmm. uh, Shono asks, um, "Can res can that responding to others show up as responding to your own desires?" I don't know. Maybe that's that's too much of a rabbit hole. I mean, I'm not saying that you couldn't talk about that psychologically, intellectually. That you couldn't come up with something like that. But I, I don't know if it would be supportive. Uh, to, to do that, it just creates a more interesting convoluted circle, if a circle can be convoluted. But it's just more going around trying to figure things out. Could that be this? Or could that be that? Could this be that? Could, could you climb? If you've got a loaf of bread you know, just and you open it up in the middle, not each other, either end, and actually crawl between the slices of bread and you stayed in there for a month, would that help? What do you guys think? What do you think? Would it help? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. Okay. Uh, what, what is your name? Dutch. Huh? Dutch. Dutch. Dutch says it would help. Oh, Creek, and he's at the temple right now. And referring to, um, I think his question was, are all questions irrelevant? <coughs> and you said the question of what is this? And he said, wouldn't what is this speak too much? Yeah, it is. So don't do it. Then... You say don't do it, but if doing it is choiceless, then how can we not do it? This last one was your question, so you could do it. Was that Michael? Michael W. Michael W. Oh, <laughs> worthless thing done. Worthless. Oh, brother. <laughs> I'm not your brother. 
That didn't sound like Michael Pickowitz's question. Michael Pickowitz wouldn't ask that question, but Michael Worthington would ask that question. So don't do it. Why is everybody smiling at me? <laughs> or I could say, what are smiles? <laughs> We're believing our thoughts. Or <laughs> yep. And I'm not having any. Oh, yeah, there was that one thought of, should I try to look like Bodhidharma? What do you think? Yes. <laughs> Funny, huh? God, scary, actually. <laughs> I saw myself. I thought, oh, I stop doing that. I myself nightmares. <laughs> we have a few minutes. Uh, any other further questions? There's a lot of people at the monastery for their questions. Oh, you know, hope and fear, balance of hope and fear. It seems like you can't help. Even without knowing what hope and fear is, there's a lot of dialogue that comes up. You could call it hope and fear without even yes. recognizing that. So just to be clarify this, I'm not saying you should stop doing that. You just have to be aware of it. If, if, the aware, if you're aware that you're grasping and aware that you're rejecting, then that actually starts to, it gets its energy from being covered up or from being uh, pushed or pulled. If you try to stop from grasping, uh, then that's aggression. If you try to uh, take aggression and grasp that and talk yourself out of it, then that's passion. If you try to shut down on anything because it's hopeless, because you can't deal with it, then that's that's ignorance, and that just keeps the whole thing going. Yes, it, it seems like timing for me. You know, I, I I see it after, like if I hope something or push something away, it, it, that comes up first, and then uh, it almost sounds like a story. But then I'm aware. Like, uh, how does that fall into the awareness realm? Is, is that where the awareness comes in? Is it pre hope fear, or is it recognizing? Hope and fear just happened. Is that either or? Which one should I pick? I'm good at that. No. You're getting better. So ask me a straight question. And I'll try to I'll try to respond to the straight question. Hmm. That's off. Never turned on. I didn't turn this on. I was supposed to slide that allows you to push record, but I didn't push record. I kept looking at it, then I forgot. So I did not record it. I didn't say anything very important anyways. Got it. Got it. It's there? Okay. What was the question? Timing of, of being aware of, of timing. Timing of hope and fear if it's pre or post hope and fear. What? When you when you're aware that you had hope or you are aware you had either way. You can collect it either way. And it just it's just only it's about being aware of that. And uh, another way of saying it is have a willingness to just be aware of it, not to do anything about it. You try to change or correct or fix something, uh, then it uh, it goes underground, and then it will it will because the ego mind is so interested in being right and showing up good and fixing itself, then it's very good at pretending, and it'll do it for years. Sometimes called pride. Further questions? Are there other bandits that serve the same purpose or do the same thing? Can you tell me what those are? I think anything could be characterized. You could use that image in different ways, but I think that keeps it very simple. Wanting something else, oh, really wanting something, or you know, more maybe more complicated ways that it can show up. Guys, have any questions? Yeah. Pretty obvious what I'm saying. Kind of. What is your name? Lynn. How do you spell it? W R E N. Oh, that's like a little bird, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
I like rounds. <laughs> yes. Um, hope and fear. A lot of times there's a, a, a visceral feeling or a narrative that goes along with that. Mm -hmm. Can the hope and fear that feels and thinks that way not be a bandit and still be there? Could. Could. Anything's possible. Any kind of combination uh, of emotions or um, conceptualizations or conclusions or you don't have to get rid of anything. You have to be aware of it. There's nothing to change. If, you, if you're trying to become somebody better somebody uh, then then it, it buys into some kind of identity that needs uh, you hope that doesn't go away you hope that now you're doing a lot better you're hoping that doesn't go away or you're you're fearful that i'm not being um i mean difficulty or just uh, uh that can all that can be uh, wiped out in a moment but the wisdom can't be wiped out because it's not separate so you can't you can't scare somebody back into an egocentrism but if somebody is uh, uh, pretending that they're beyond hope and fear or has a technique for getting beyond that kind of artificially or uh, not feeling any more fear or not feeling any more hope, that's a misunderstanding. Someone who is, uh, uh, understands this deeply is, you could say, wise. Hope and fear can, are, are free to come and go in them all the time. But I can't find a person who's afraid. Fear comes as long as the world is suffering. The one who is clear or wise is going to feel that suffering. Maybe not all at once, but quite a bit. But they won't necessarily um, bring that together into some kind of thing where we have to fight with the, the ones who are causing it because they see the dependent origination. They see that there's no solid, there's no source for anything. There's no beginning point for anything. No one is to blame. And no one gets credit. No one gets blame. But everything is observed very closely all the time. and. Uh, not too many conclusions, unless you're pushed into it by a question, and then it's just temporary. What grade are you in? First. And you? First. First. I was in those grades once. I know it probably doesn't look like it. I was. <laughs> I was really small. It's about that big. <laughs> well, I mean, comparatively, not, not. That was hard. I had a hard time in that. Third grade was hard, a lot harder than first because first grade I was kind of like, what's going on? But third grade I was starting to know stuff. And then I, I met other kids who knew stuff. And then that's when the trouble began. <laughs> fourth grade is better. But fourth grade, you that's where you learn multiplication tables, right? See, so yeah, I remember a few things. Go ahead. So um, the hope and fear that could, um, the visceral sensations and the thinking that could be characterized as hope and fear mm -hmm. and the same thing. one or the other um is there a recognizable distinction between the hope and fear um that is abandoned and the hope and fear that is wisdom yes everything is welcome so when hope comes you just you just notice that there's a hopefulness about us but there's no one who's hopeful so there's no hanging on to anything so Hope can come up whenever, and if you're with other people who are operating in that area, you're right with them. You're hoping with them. And if uh, they leave the room, all that vanishes. They come back in the room, then, then the hope and fear that they bring in with them, you're not separate from that. It's called Sangha. Same thing with fear. So you can be uh, completely, it's not theirs because nothing belongs to anyone. It's just fear. When it shows up in an individual, that fear can 
generate a lot of uh, aggression to defend oneself or a lot of hope to accomplish something. But to the one who is, uh, is transcended that, you could say, or transcended is a fancy word, has seen that there isn't any solid being, then everything is welcome. Fear is welcome. Destruction is welcome. Creation is welcome because you're no longer separate. And the whole body-mind complex operates out of creation and, and destruction. Have you noticed? You can find areas of the body that are destroying. Uh, it's like Ramana Maharshi said in 1950, when uh, who had lived for like 80 years or so, I think, the Indian uh, teacher, um, well, the last uh, first part of the last century said uh, about, the, I think it was cancer that he had. Uh, he said, it wants to live too. So he was just trying to help his students by saying it that way. Thank you very much. Thank you.